Daniel, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Uh, before you start, I want to do a quick plug for the pod. If you haven't done so yet, please be sure to rate us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Also be sure to tell your friends, neighbors, and countrymen that the Indie Matters podcast is chock full of interesting information on topics that matter to them and that they should be listening to. All right, we are at Wendover City Hall right now with Mayor Daniel Corona, and we are talking about West Wendover and some of the regional issues in Northeastern Nevada. I'm also here with indie photojournalist David Calvert, who might chime in with some questions. Hi, Daniels. <laughs> yeah, it's like Daniel Squared. <laughs> yeah, we could start a, a boy band or something. <laughs> um, so you're the youngest mayor in Nevada, right? Yes, yes. So in uh, 2016, that was a whole two years ago. I was 25 uh, when I was elected, uh, which made me the youngest at the time. I hope I'm still the youngest. I don't know. But <laughs> if not, I've lost my novelty. <laughs> so, so, I mean, what is that like? Like, how's that? Uh, it's, 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 it's interesting. Um, the first uh, meeting I went to with the other mayors, um, a lot of them came up to me and were like, oh, I have a grandson your age. Or uh, I think one of them has a great grandson my age. So interesting because uh, I tend to be the youngest person in the room and so sometimes uh, that leads to me getting talked down to or uh, kind of oh you just don't know you're young and naive but obviously <laughs> obviously the people of West Wendover saw something different so hopefully uh, but I think people are starting to see through that now. Are there advantages to being young? Yeah I think uh, one of the main ones is you don't get trapped into thinking uh, always or the same train of thought that, you know, we've done this the same way forever and it's never worked. Um, I think when you're younger, you have a fresher perspective and you can kind of look at things a different way. And so if there is an issue uh, and we've tried a solution in the past and it didn't work, uh, maybe there's a different way to try that same solution that it will actually work. Um, whereas other older folks, I think, just think, oh, no, we tried it before. Uh, it didn't work. Let's just move on. Or Yeah. So we talked to a lot of people down in Las Vegas, and we talked to a lot of people in Reno. Um, but, you know, your biggest cities, your closest big city is Salt Lake City. It's not yeah. Las Vegas or Reno. We're sort of on the edge right now of the Nevada-Utah border. Um, in fact, my phone keeps going back and forth between Mountain Time. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, it, it's interesting. Yeah. Because I mean, you grow up here kind of feeling disconnected from the rest of the state mm -hmm. uh, because we're in the Utah viewing market. So we see the Utah news. Right. I saw a Mitt Romney ad last yeah, night. <laughs> yeah. So we know who's running for Senate in Utah. Uh, but unfortunately, unless you don't pay attention, uh, you don't know what's going on in Nevada. Uh, but I think with uh, technology, it's made it a lot easier. Mm -hmm. um, now with Hulu, uh, this is really cool. We actually get like Nevada Senate ads. Uh, I'm probably the only person in the world that's excited about that, but it's it's awesome that we finally like can see, uh, you know, what's going on in our own state. Do you have a favorite Nevada Senate ad? There's some good ones. Uh, I really like. I think the the spineless Dean Heller ads are awesome. Orange um, inflatable tube man. Yes, they. I'm sure the inflatable tube man market is doing crazy good right now because Jackie Rosen is giving them a lot of free press. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about Wendover and your time so far as mayor, well, you know, just to sort of give people, um, an idea of sort of what you're focused on. What are some of the challenges right now that are facing West Wendover and some of your priorities? Um, so much like the rest of the state, housing is a big issue. Uh, we don't have an affordable housing crisis yet. Um, but we are on the verge of one, mm -hmm. um, we, we have uh, no housing available at all. So when something goes on the market, it sells almost instantaneously. I think I was talking to one of our realtors the other day and she listed something on a Monday and it was under contract by Wednesday. Wow. Um, and that's just the housing market here. And if we don't uh, start to add some housing, um, we're going to be at a point where people are priced out because uh, wages are uh, pretty low here. Uh, another one's healthcare, like the rest of rural Nevada, um, except for I think ours is probably worse than many cities. Um, we have no reliable healthcare uh, unless you get sick between the hours of 7 uh, a.m. and 5 p.m. Uh, Monday through Friday. Other than that, you have to drive 120 miles uh, either direction to get any sort of healthcare. To Elko or to Salt, Elko Lake or Salt Lake City. Yeah. So, wow. so when you say there's no reliable healthcare, do you mean there's no reliable healthcare? 
infrastructure basically? Well, so we have we have a local clinic, uh, but it's a family practice clinic. Um, mm-hmm. So they don't handle emergencies. So if you get extremely sick, you have to either take an ambulance ride or uh, in the extreme uh, cases, be life flighted out of West Windover to Salt Lake. Um, and if you don't have health insurance, that's extremely expensive. Even if right. you do have health insurance, uh, it's ridiculously expensive. Um, and for us, especially on the weekends, it's a big problem. Given our proximity to Salt Lake City, uh, our population goes, we're about 5,000 uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, Friday evening through Sunday morning, we uh, blossom to twenty to 30,000. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're the size of Elko with no uh, emergency health care. So we have a lot of folks who come out here, drink too much, and have to be uh, transported into Salt Lake. Um, and then have to come back out here and get their car. <laughs> so I- I'm curious, you know, what does the health insurance picture look like? Because I know that uh, last year there was the, the sort of the the issue, I think, I don't, I can't remember if it was in December or sort of the mm-hmm. end of last year where there was maybe not going to be any coverage on the exchanges in, I think, 14 counties mm-hmm. in the state. So what does the health insurance picture look like? So luckily, the Pepper Mill uh, Corporation, who has three of our five casinos, they employ uh, the majority of folks in our community. They have decent health insurance that I think they offer to most of their employees. After that, Elko County School District is our next biggest mm-hmm. uh, employer. Uh, with our schools, and so they have good health insurance, and then the city. Uh, anyone else is on Medicaid. Uh, we do have a huge number of folks who are on Medicaid, so that could get tricky. Uh, if, you know, the Medicaid expansion gets rolled back, uh, that would be horrible for West Wendover. Uh, I think, like, something like 75% of the uh, revenue from the our local clinic comes from Medicaid patients. Wow. So without them, our local clinic would close, and then our uh, healthcare crisis would be even worse. So the Medicaid expansion was a big deal. Oh, yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about some of the housing and sort of uh, development things that you guys are doing. I noticed that you recently got a um, $525,000 grant from GoEd to sort of develop downtown. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so so we don't have a downtown, Yeah. Um, which is uh, one of the most exciting things about being mayor right now because we get to develop a downtown from the ground mm-hmm. up. Um, and so one of the big focuses for me is making sure that in our downtown there is affordable housing. Right now the, the plan is to zone all the land for uh, multi-use, uh, retail bottom level, uh, maybe office space second level, and then mm-hmm. housing uh, top levels. Um, and so that $525,000 grant was huge because it's going to be an $8 million project um, just to put the infrastructure in place. And so... Um, that really helps. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really excited and I hope that we'll be able to break ground uh, in the spring. Um, and so that will add some much needed housing. So you don't have a downtown. How did, how did that come about? Because, you know, most cities, I feel like, have a downtown and then develop around it. Yeah. So so we're one of the few. Um, I think there might be one or two other uh, weird cities out there. But um, so when West Wendover became a city, uh, we're fairly young. We were incorporated in 1991. But when it start, when folks started building in West Wendover, uh, was the 80s mm-hmm. uh, when our I think three of the five, five casinos came in, uh, two were already existing, and then the other three came in, and we really had a big uh, population boom. And Wendover, Utah, is kind of landlocked; they don't yeah. have anywhere they can go. Um, on the north, there's a mountain range. On the east, there's a mountain range, and on the south, it's the salt flats. So can't build on the salt. So they had to go west. Um, and so it was just kind of like a patchwork of people buying land and then just building wherever they can buy land. Um, yeah, so, sounds very west, yeah. western. <laughs> yeah, so we were kind of just like patchworked as a town. Uh, and then we have a lot of our land is owned by the BLM. So um, <clears throat> when the city incorporated, there was no land available to build a downtown. But now the BLM's willing to sell the land and we'll be able to build why is it important to you to uh, establish a downtown, a, like a, an urban core, if you will, in West Wendover? Because uh, I think down, downtowns uh, show the character of a city. Um, you can go to any downtown anywhere in the country and probably in like five or ten minutes be able to figure out where you're at. Uh, you can really tell a city's identity. And it's also a great gathering place for a community. Um, without some sort of gathering place as a community, you get kind of uh, distanced and you move away from the community feeling. Um, and I've had a lot of folks who, who live lived here forever who say, you know, as the city grows, 
uh, we feel less like a community um, because we have no place to go to, to gather or to meet as a community. But a downtown core really gives folks a place to go, shop, uh, dine, drink, work, live, uh, all those things that help build a community. Yeah, so you talk about the identity and the community aspect of having kind of a central gathering place like that. Right now, I'm like a lot of people when I come to Wendover. I see the casinos and I see the neon and I'm usually coming in late at night and it's... Um, I have the pleasure of driving through on a Monday or Tuesday when it's a little bit empty and you've got those <laughs> parking lot lights and it's that bright white glow and you can hear the, the the music from the casinos out in the parking lot. And that's the impression that a lot of people get of Wendover. But how would you describe, or West Wendover, how would you describe the town differently and how would a downtown core embrace, I guess, your your values? Um, so we're a very we're a very tight knit community. Um, any and that's evident anytime there's any sort of tragedy. Uh, if someone's house burns down, the community comes together really quick. Uh, if someone gets sick, the community is really great about helping raise money to cover medical expenses. Uh, so we're very tight knit. Uh, we're also very diverse. Um, <clears throat> we have a majority minority population. Eighty uh, percent, I think, of our population is Latino. Um, and Latino culture, uh, family, um, community. And so I think having a downtown will help build on that uh, tightness of a community because um, it gives us a place to do events. Or uh, We have a large Cinco de Mayo uh, celebration every year, uh, and it's kind of outgrown uh, its current location at our park. Um, so if we had a large downtown, um, we can expand on that every year after year. So, I mean, one thing you mentioned was the population boom in the in the 80s. I'm curious just to give people a sense, what, what is what is the population of West Wendover right now and how has it maybe changed or, you know, what, what sort of trend have you been seeing in the last couple of years? Um, so we're teetering right around 5,000. Um, I think once we solve some of our housing, we'll finally uh, get that push over. Um, but our, our population has kind of plateaued since the 90s. Um, we had that real big um, population boom, um, and a lot of that was immigration from uh, Mexico um, because there was a lot of jobs here. Uh, people were coming over, telling their friends and family, um, especially given the hospitality industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so our population went from probably majority white uh, in the 80s to majority minority now, um, and it just continues to to grow. We have a very young community. I think our median age is 26. And so there's a lot of people with a lot of kids. Um, and so as the kids keep growing, uh, we I think that's kind of where it's going now. I don't think as many people are coming in. I think mm-hmm. people are staying. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess I'm just curious because it's been such a big issue recently and so discussed. But, you know, on the question of immigration, I guess, since you sort of just raised that, and I didn't really know that history of Wendover uh, or West Wendover. Uh, <laughs> I got to get it right. <laughs> I mean, everyone always mixes it up. Um, you know, I'm just curious, like, how, how big of an issue is sort of immigration? Is that something that you hear discussed a lot? And, you know. Yeah, so um, when uh, President Trump uh, decided to rescind uh, DACA, that hurt a lot of folks here in West Wendover. Uh, we have a lot of dreamers. Um, I grew up with a lot of dreamers, and I didn't even know, many of them didn't even know they were here illegally yeah. until uh, we were seniors in high school and started applying for scholarships, and their parents told them they couldn't apply for those scholarships or shouldn't even apply for college because uh, their immigration status was questionable. Um, and so when that happened, uh, the city council actually passed a resolution supporting the DREAM Act. Uh, because immigration has been crucial to to the city of West Wendover. Uh, we wouldn't be where we are if it wasn't for immigrants. Uh, our casinos are built on the backs of uh, immigrants, and they continue to be staffed by immigrants. And uh, if there ever, uh, there hasn't been an ICE raid in a long time, uh, but when there is, this place is like a ghost town um, mm-hmm. because people uh, just disappear. Um, because it and it it shows you what would happen if uh, you know the mass deportation that people talk about actually does happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, this place would be would be a ghost town. Do you think people understand that? Because I th- I think people think of immigration being an issue in cities that are you know a little closer to the border, probably mm-hmm. or 
um, maybe a little larger, like Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so, do you think people sort of understand why that's a big issue or an important issue up here? Um, I think people here do. Yeah. Um, I don't like, think people example, outside of West Wendover do. Uh, yeah, or politicians coming to yeah, visit. Yeah, or, I, you know. I mean, I think more so now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it was ever really on their radar. Uh, but I've been very vocal about about it, and so I think uh, now folks are realizing, like, oh, hey, this isn't just a Las Vegas or a Reno issue. This is something that even in, out in the rurals, this is an issue. Uh, because it's not just West Wendover that has a large undocumented population. It's places like Wells and uh, Elko and uh, I think even Winnemucca does. So, mm-hmm. uh, And those are uh, folks working in farms or working in the mining industry. Um, and so I think it's an issue that affects our whole state. It doesn't just uh, focus on the urban core, on the urban cores. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of uh, Trump and Elko, uh, the president is going to be in Elko on Saturday for mm-hmm. a rally. The same day, early voting starts. Mm-hmm. Are you planning on attending that? Uh, no, uh, I, I'll, I'll probably be in Elko, um, but I won't be at the Trump rally. Will you be doing? Trump rally related things in Elko? Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I think that uh, I think one of the, the most important uh, rights that we have as American citizens is being able to protest our government um, and protest those in power. Um, and so I think uh, when we have a president whose policies uh, are reckless and hurt my community, especially as a mayor, um, it's my job to speak out on those. Um, and so I will be there, but I won't be at the Trump rally. I'll be speaking out against the president. Like a counter protest or? Um, I'm not sure what's happening yet. Uh, it's still in the works, um, but yes. So would you classify yourself as a Democrat? Um, so <laughs> uh, How, yeah. mayors are nonpartisan. Right. <laughs> um, as, as my friend Mayor, Mayor Shivi always says, uh, there's no Democrat or Republican way to fix a, a pothole. Um, but I mean, I'm personally registered as a Democrat. Uh, I'm very active in the Democratic Party. Uh, but as the mayor, uh, it's important that my role is nonpartisan. Right. But yes, I'm, I mean, I'm a Democrat. <laughs> well, I'm curious, you know, because West Wendover is in Elko County, and Elko County's historically gone ruby red. Ruby red. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I'm just curious what, what is it like being a Democrat in a county that is so historically red and I can't remember if it went for Trump by like 75% or 70%, but it was, it was, it, a, it was a big margin. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, so West Wendover is a, a progressive bubble, uh, in a sea of red. Uh, we are definitely an, an anomaly uh, and it shows how large our County is and, uh, how spread out we really are and how different, uh, we are community to community. Um, because here in West Wendover, uh, folks are pretty progressive. Um, so it's not as weird as it were would be probably if I was the mayor of Elko, um, which I don't think I would ever be elected mayor of Elko. Uh, I tend to be a little bit too progressive. Um, I'm the crazy liberal of Elko County. Um, so I don't think that would ever happen. But um, here in West Wendover, it's, we're kind of, like I said, our own little progressive bubble. So it's uh, when we're dealing with uh, Elko County politicians, it's 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 interesting. Uh, yeah, well, we're so far on the other side of the spectrum. Well, I want to ask. So, as the crazy liberal of Elko <laughs> County, when you go out of the bubble of West Wendover, you know what is it like? Because I'm sure you know to get your to get things done as a mayor, you you have to work with everybody, like you mentioned. So, yeah. how how do people view you as, as the crazy liberal? <laughs> well, of Elko uh, you you build <laughs> interesting friendships and alliances. Uh, like like our assemblyman John Ellison. John Ellison, he's actually someone that I consider a friend. Mm-hmm. He um, is. We disagree on virtually everything, but uh, when the legislature convenes. Uh, he is someone that I know I can go to, and uh, he'll always listen to West Wendover's uh, point of view or our side of an argument. And the same with Pico Cochia, our state senator. Uh, again, we're on completely different ends of the political spectrum, but uh, you have to be willing to compromise. You have to uh, be willing to, to work with anyone 
uh, for the better good for your city. And I think that's the biggest job of a mayor. And I think that's why uh, the role of mayor is nonpartisan, mm-hmm. um, because you have to be able to build those uh, connections and work. Even though you disagree, you have to find some common ground to, to get things done. Right. So I want to talk about a couple other issues. I know marijuana has been a big issue here. Last year, the city council, or sorry, earlier this year, right? The city council rejected recreational marijuana, and then I think you vetoed there. I remember so, reading about it back Yeah, in- it was an interesting use of a veto. So uh, <laughs> the, the motion that was made uh, was to essentially not allow any recreational marijuana. Uh, so that includes uh, dispensary grow or um, wholesale, I mean, the wholesale grow side of it. And so we had been talking about the wholesale. Uh, One of the council members snuck uh, it on the agenda when I was supposed to be out of town uh, for a recreational dispensary, um, knowing that someone was going to make a motion to ban it. Um, And so the motion was too vague for me. Um, so I vetoed it, and then the very next meeting, the council voted to move forward uh, with a wholesale ordinance, which we wouldn't have been able to do had their uh, motion stood before. Um, so, so I'm a little confused. To 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 make this simple, I guess, are you pro? <laughs> so I'm I'm pro marijuana. Are you pro weed or anti weed so, in West Wendover? So I I I see it as a way to diversify our economy. Uh, as I said before, our main industry is gaming yeah. uh, and tourism. And God forbid we have another recession. Um, because last time we weren't hit as hard as the rest mm-hmm. of the state uh, because the state of Utah fared very well in the recession. Uh, and that's where our tourism comes from. But if there is another recession, there's no guarantee that the state of Utah will do as good as they did uh, last time around. So uh, we need to diversify our economy. We need to have other industries in the community um, and our voters voted for it. Right. Um, in West Wendover, I can't remember the exact number, but they voted for it. Um, <clears throat> and so for me, even if I disagreed with it, if, if we're going to ask the voters uh, how they feel about an industry or if they want to legalize an industry, if we then they approve it and then we ignore that, uh, I feel like we're not listening to the will of the people and we're not doing our jobs. Right. Um, so I guess to get back to the city council, though, is there a sort of difference between your opinion on that and where so, the city council so is? So right now there's a, a 3-2 divide. Uh, two of the council members have been uh, very pro-marijuana, have been very vocal about it. Uh, I should walk it back a little bit to, to the medical marijuana. Uh, when the medical marijuana issue came up, it was a unanimous vote for medical marijuana. Uh, the three council members who... Uh, have been hesitant on recreational marijuana, had said at the time that they wanted to uh, get the medical marijuana ordinance out of the way, uh, wait and see what happens with the rest of the state with recreational marijuana, um, and then they would revisit the issue of recreational. Now they're saying they want to wait until we get a medical dispensary uh, to go back and revisit it, um, which I don't think we'll get a medical uh, dispensary without the recreational uh, because medical card numbers are already dropping in the state. They're already mm-hmm. dropping in Elko County where there is no medical dispensary. Um, there is no recreational dispensary either, but uh, people are going to Sparks or Reno um, or even Ely now um, who is about to have their second dispensary. Um, but so those numbers are dropping. So there's no, uh, guarantee that a medical dispensary will make enough money to pay their bills. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that it's not something that we can wait and see on. Uh, but unfortunately, the council has been very, very clear that they're not going to revisit recreational until we get medical. So so right now, the status is is basically what the council, the, the, the direction that the council is going, that they're, they're not going to go for recreational until you get a medical dispensary. Yeah. So, so that's exactly it they they want to wait until medical opens and see i don't know how long they want to wait and see but they want to get it open first and then revisit recreational is this sort of a similar dynamic that's playing out across the region in northeastern nevada uh no (laughs) i think most other i mean wells just just passed uh medical Mm -hmm. uh by a three to two vote 
Um, so I don't see if they had that hard of a time getting medical, that recreational is even on the table. And even talking to their mayor, it sounds like it's not even on the table. It's just medical. Uh, Elko has a straight-out ban on right. recreational. Uh, Ely, it's really interesting. The tribe opened uh, a dispensary. They're doing very well. And now it, uh, Ely is revisiting it and wants to open their own recreational. Um, so I think Ely's probably the only one that's in a similar situation. Uh, but anyone else in the rest of the region is just maybe medical, uh, but there's no way mm-hmm. recreational. What, what is some of the opposition, do you think, to... A lot of it that I've been hearing is that it the ease of access to children. There is that fear that, you know, if we do have a dispensary, that uh, childhood use is going to go up, uh, which I understand. But if we don't have a dispensary, every household can grow up to 12 plants. Um, so in a size, a city, it's 5,000 individuals. That's a lot of marijuana uh, that's unsecure in someone's uh, basement closet. And I think that makes it a lot easier for kids to get. Um, but, you know, I see both sides of that argument, but that's the main one that I, I hear. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you mentioned looking at marijuana from the standpoint of sort of diversifying the economy. Um, have you received interest from, you know, uh, potential businesses that might come here? Yeah, so uh, Deep Roots Harvest out of uh, Mesquite, they already have the city's uh, medical marijuana license. Uh, there's a company, uh, it was Harvest, now I think it's BRLS. They have uh, one of the two city grow licenses, mm-hmm. and then Deep Roots has the other one. Um, and I know Deep Roots uh, has mentioned uh, wanting recreational marijuana um, because they have been so successful down in Mesquite. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just makes sense. But th- those licenses are for medical or? Those, for... um, so the, the grow licenses are for recreational and mar- uh, medical. Okay. The dispensary licenses for medical. Only. Gotcha. So the issue of the city councils over the dispensaries, not? The it's over the dispensaries, not the The, the cultivation. Grow. Yeah. So, okay. so we don't want to sell it here, but we're okay growing it for the rest of the state. Okay. I mean, do you think that will change? I hope. Um, I, I, I don't know, though. I, I mean, I think... I think if we are able to get a medical dispensary, I think that there are some on the council that, that will actually see that there are no problems, and then they'll be more willing to, to move ahead with recreational. Uh, but I'm not holding my breath. What needs to happen for that to change? Is it something that would might solve itself through elections? or is There this... is an election in November. <laughs> um, I mean... We'll see, right? Like it's it's already been a big issue in this in the city council election. Uh, so the two city council members who support marijuana um, are up for election, as well as one of the holdouts. Um, and then so there's five candidates. Four of the five support marijuana. Uh, one of the incumbents doesn't. So it will be interesting to see uh, if marijuana does play a factor in the election. So one interesting dynamic, and then we'll get off the topic of marijuana. <laughs> But uh, one interesting dynamic, I think, is your proximity to Utah and sort of the issues that come with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're very close to Utah. You can throw a rock and you can Utah. throw <laughs> Exactly. So um, how does that play into the marijuana discussion? Uh, well, I mean, we want to be a good neighbor, right? So, uh, but at the same time, we're in Nevada. Uh, we have to follow Nevada law. Uh, we have casinos right on the border right. uh, that will serve you uh, liquor until you're drunk enough that you lose all your money. Um, we have a 25,000 square foot liquor store. We have 5,000 people that live in West Wendover. I don't think that we're their main customer base. Uh, I mean, they have billboards in Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Yes, you have to make sure that you're a good neighbor, and we don't want to cause problems for Wendover, Utah, or for uh, the state of Utah. But at the same time, we uh, we live by a different set of rules on this side of town. Um, so if we, but if we concerned ourselves with Utah law, we wouldn't have our casinos. We wouldn't have uh, our giant liquor store. We wouldn't have our small liquor store and Smith's that has a large liquor department. So I think you have to be mindful of what goes on over there. Uh, you have to make sure that folks know as soon as they transport that marijuana across state lines, they're committing a felony and they will go to jail. 
but it's the same thing with alcohol. Once they transport that liquor across state lines, uh, it's a big fine. Um, and depending on the amount of liquor that they're caught with, because uh, I know folks take trunk loads uh, across the state line, they could do tel- jail time. Um, so I think you have to make sure that, that we are telling folks, look, you can purchase it here, but as soon as you cross across that state line, that having that on your person is illegal. Um, I also think that it's why uh, the issue of pu- public consumption lounges is so interesting. Um, because you can't use it in a hotel room in one of our casinos. Um, so we have to give folks a place uh, that if they are from Utah or from out of state, that they can consume their marijuana. Uh, otherwise, we are encouraging them to go across state lines or we're encouraging them to smoke in the casino, uh, which we don't want to do. So there's a way to be responsible about it, um, but no one's willing to have that conversation. So, I mean, given uh, Wendover's West Wendover, I did it again, I'm sorry. <laughs> West Wendover's proximity to Wendover and Utah, mm-hmm. how often are you working with uh, your sort of counterparts over there? Like, are they emailing you and being like, these casinos, these, um, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> not really. I mean, luckily, the two cities get along very yeah. well. Um, and we have a good working relationship because uh, you have to when you're <laughs> that, that close. And I mean, it is just one Wendover. We might be two different cities. We might be two different states and two different counties. But at the end of the day, we're one community. And what's good for Wendover, Utah is good for West Wendover and vice versa. Um, and so we have to work together. Our police departments, they are in constant communication. Uh, Wendover, Utah has a very small police department. So there's times where our police officers go over and help them out. And if you know, someone's tied up over here, it's t- there's times where they send an officer over here to help out. So... Uh, it's just we have a very good working relationship, which I don't think we'd be able to coexist if we did it. Yeah. Well, when we were in Battle Mountain yesterday, um, one of the people we were talking to, we were, we were sort of talking about like the three Nevadas. There's mm-hmm. Reno and Vegas, and then there's sort of the rural counties. Um, and I think the the guy we were talking to in Battle Mountain suggested building a wall, <laughs> suggested that they would be better off building a wall around Vegas and building a and maybe even a wall around Reno, although they, they seem to like Reno a little bit more. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm curious, just given the fact that there's almost three states in one, mm-hmm. and Nevada's so big, I mean, to mm-hmm. get from Vegas to West Wendover, to get from Reno to West Wendover, it, you know, it takes a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, what would you like people to know about West Wendover in this area who live in Ve- Las Vegas and who live in Reno and, and might never venture, you know, past Pahrump or past Pyramid. I I think one thing that you would be surprised uh, is we might be a really big state, uh, really spread out, but I think we all kind of have that Nevada don't fence me in attitude. I think we're all very uh, live free. Um, But I I do think, you know, there are those folks that say, oh, let's build a wall around Vegas or let's make Vegas and Reno part of California, uh, which is ridiculous to me. But um, I think you'd be surprised at, at how diverse our state is, um, but yet how how similar the different areas mm-hmm. of our state really are. You know, I I'm a little biased, but I think the our region is probably the most beautiful region in the state, uh, especially with the Ruby Mountains, which we have to protect those. Uh, <laughs> that's a different issue. Um, but I think there, it's you'd be surprised. Well, I guess I'm just curious, but like, is it is from the other perspective, is just an advocate for your community? You know, what would you like people in Re- Vegas or Reno to know, or if are there misconceptions maybe about Wendover or northeastern Nevada? Uh, um, you know that that we exist. Uh, <laughs> this is one thing. I lived in I lived in Las Vegas for four years, mm-hmm. uh, and people would ask me all the time, "Oh, where are you from?" And there was a point where I would just start saying Utah uh, because I was so tired of explaining that, you know, there is something on the northeastern border. Um, but so it's, it's frustrating, uh, especially even our politicians that, you know, go to work in Carson City and don't even know that there's anything past Elko. Um, to know that, you know, we exist and there, there are people here uh, who are Nevadans, mm-hmm. uh, just like the folks down in Vegas or Reno or Elko. Um, and that... You know, just come out here. Uh, you'd be surprised. People, I think people out in this part of the state, 
we might have differences of opinion, but there is no friendlier people uh, than the people of Northeastern Nevada and Elko County. Uh, you know, they're, especially Elko, um, as we saw with their flooding uh, two years ago, uh, people are quick to, to help each other out. Um, and I think that that comes from us being rural in a smaller community and you have to rely on each other. Um, and so I think people would be surprised at how beautiful not only this part of the state is, but also how nice people are up here. Well, speaking of Carson City, um, are there any pieces of legislation you guys are pushing for, any sort of bill drafts that you guys are eyeing this session? So the city actually uh, submitted a BDR uh, for this session to hopefully, if it passes and the governor signs it, get DMV services uh, mm-hmm. to West Wendover. Because the closest DMV is 120 miles in Elko. So there are a lot of folks who are driving around on expired driver's licenses or expired plates because they can't make it over to Elko. Because mm-hmm. um, you have to take a full day off of work to go to Elko, sit at the DMV all day, and then come back home. So if we have those services here, it will make life a little bit easier for folks. And especially uh, given our, our high population uh, with poverty, uh, people can't afford to take a day off and go to Elko. Um, so I think that would help us out a lot. Are you looking to get like DMV kiosks or actually a so physical? In- a physical uh, DMV would be the dream um, because you can't do all the, the kiosks aren't full service. Um, so it's us and Kellyanne uh, who are kind of working together on this to try to bring services to our communities um, because any other community is 50 miles, I think, from the closest DMV. Um, and we're both 100 plus from DMV services. So we both have a lot of folks who uh, need full service, um, who get their renewal thing in the mail and they can't do it online. They have to go to a physical DMV location. Um, So uh, what we want is a physical DMV location. Uh, One of the things that we're going to include in the bill is that the city who is kind of the host site of the DMV provide the office space at no cost to the department uh, to try to alleviate some of that cost. But uh, there's not, I mean, you can't do everything on the kiosk, unfortunately. A a kiosk would be nice, but. So this goes back to you being tucked up here in the corner of the state, Mm -hmm. um, getting a DMV and this becomes a statewide issue Mm -hmm. where you're relying on people in Carson city to help West Wendover. How do you get legislature legislators to care about West Wendover? It's been a process. (laughs) How do you, but how do you personally, uh, I, I have spent, I've spent, uh, in 2017, I spent a lot of time in Carson City um, just getting uh, myself familiar with legislators, uh, getting them familiar with me. And for those who don't know about West Wendover, pulling out a map and showing them where we're at in the state and you know talking about our issues. And so that has been something that no other mayor has really spent any time doing. For me, that's that's been one of my biggest goals is to try to increase West Wendover's profile so that people actually know that we exist. And now... Now I have several friends in the legislature. So there are folks, uh, they might be in down in Las Vegas or in Reno, but they, um, I, I hope that I'm not putting too much faith into folks, but that, that they will actually, you know, fight for these things for us. Do you actually take out your map and show them? Uh, not a physical, I mean, it's, it's 2018, we all have cell phones. Uh, I'm going to start carrying a physical map, though, next session. Yeah, you should come with. You should come with. <laughs> Just a gonna big come map with like or, a big map yeah. of the state. <laughs> Roll it out on the desk and <laughs> show them places they've never heard of, like West Wendover and Wells and Austin. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess on a personal level, um, and maybe this would have been a better question to start on, but you know, I, I'm curious, like, what what does being mayor mean for you, sort of personally? And you know, we talk about educating legislators and trying to to get them to know that West Wendover is here mm-hmm. on uh, on the border and, you know, that you guys have, you guys need certain things mm-hmm. from the state, like a DMV and, you know, but but what does it mean to you personally to be advocating for West Wendover? Um, so so I'm a fourth generation uh, Wendover resident. Um, right. My, my great grandparents came with the railroad uh, and they never left. Um, and so, my mom grew up here and never left. My grandma grew up here and never left. I grew up here. I left for a little bit, but I came back. Um, for me, it's it's much more than uh, just being the mayor of my city. It's, it's it's being the mayor of a place that I've called home, that so so many generations of my family have called home. 
Um, and so I really am invested in what happens to our city and what happens to the future of our city. So um, it's it's something that I never thought I would do. Um, but at the same time, uh, I can't believe that I thought that I would never do it uh, because I think that it's important work to make sure that uh, we are no longer ignored. I think for a long time, uh, like I said, people didn't know West Wendover existed. And so uh, for me, it's, it's so much more than uh, just having a title, just being the mayor of my city. It's uh, I want to leave a lasting impression, and I think the best way to do that is uh, to increase our profile across the state, to make sure that uh, when I'm done being mayor, whenever that is, uh, that people in Carson City are still thinking about West Wendover, even if I'm not there to... Uh, annoy the hell out of them because I know I annoy the hell out of a lot of them. Um, but I think that this is a really special part of our state. As I think any city or any mayor would tell you that their their city is a special part of the state. But uh, for me, it's something that has meant so much to my family. Uh, and I hope that future generations of my family who choose to stay here uh, won't have to go through the pain of feeling like the the state doesn't recognize that we exist, or even our county. Um, we've been ignored by our county for a long time, and that's finally started to change. So that's that's what it means to me. Is it, it's, it's so much more than just a title. We're about three weeks out from the election, um, and probably one of the biggest races is not even the gubernatorial race or the Senate race, although those are huge races. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, one of the most closely followed races uh, is for a ballot measure, for question three. Uh, which is known as the Energy Choice Initiative and would effectively break up MV Energy's monopoly on the state's power supply and create competitive markets where you know other companies could come in and sell electricity competitively and compete with other companies. And so, so I'm curious, you know, question three is sort of mixed political lines. It's mixed geographic lines in the state. Um, there are Republicans and Democrats who are for and against it. There are, you know, people in rural and urban areas who are for and against it. So where do you fall on, on the question? Um, so it's a, it's a very complicated question. Uh, it's something that I voted for in 2016. Uh, but upon doing more research, it's something that I'll definitely be voting against uh, this time around. Um, and I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that Envy Energy has a monopoly over the entire state, because uh, that's not true. There's a lot of uh, rural co-ops. Uh, Boulder City uh, provides their own power. Um, and so I think that deregulation uh, will destabilize those co-ops, um, and there's no guarantee uh, that a big energy provider will want to come into the rural communities. Uh, and then we'll be in a position where we don't have energy. Uh, and for, um, you know, the, the larger customers um, like uh, the Sands, who's very, uh, who's pushing very hard for, for question three to pass, even though they've already left the energy market, uh, I think for them, it makes sense for their bottom line. Uh, but for the regular uh, residential customer, uh, it doesn't. Um, we already pay some of the lowest rates in the country. Here in West Wendover, as I've mentioned before, we have a high poverty rate. Uh, folks can't afford to have their energy uh, prices increase. Mm -hmm. they, can't, they can't even afford to have uh, the uncertainty of their energy prices increasing um, because they're struggling to put food on the table right now. And they can't, uh, that's, that's an impossible decision. Do I put food on the table or do I have electricity? It's a decision I can't fathom having to make, and, and I know that, unfortunately, if, if question three passes, there are a lot of families in West Wendover who will have to make that choice. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think we have a good thing going, especially with our co-ops. Uh, we in West Wendover fall under the Wells Rural Electric Co-op. Yeah, I was going to ask. So um, you don't get your energy from Nevada Power or no, Sierra Pacific? No, we get it from, from Wells Rural. Uh, and it's, it's nice because we're in a co-op, so we, we have a say on who our board members are. We have a say on who, who's deciding our rates. Uh, if question three passes, that goes away. Well, to push back, though, the, the supporters of question three and uh, John Wallinghoff, their policy advisor, former uh, you know, uh, regulator, energy regulator in D.C., he, he'll argue that the co-ops can continue to exist as they do, under under the language of question three, as long as the legislature, you know, <laughs> that's putting a lot of blind trust into the legislature. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, yeah. It does allow for the aggregates, um, 
But like I said, it's putting a lot of blind trust in folks who live in Las Vegas or who live in Reno. We have very few rural legislators. I I would like to think that that the legislature would do the right thing. Uh, But if they mess up, it will take a long time to undo uh, any mistakes that are made. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think, yes, it does allow for the aggregates, but there is no guarantee that that the co-ops, the way they are, uh, that they wouldn't have to raise rates because <laughs> they might cease to exist and then someone else is coming in and they're still paying fees for using the equipment of Wells Rural Electric. Uh, so they're paying more on those fees and then they're not paying that, we're paying that. Right. Um, and so I think just the uncertainty, uh, you look at states that have deregulated and their rates have gone up. I think Texas is the only exception and that's because it's such a large state. Um, Nevada's a small state. There's not enough ratepayers to prevent uh, those rates going through the roof. And I think one of the other arguments is that it could provide for folks to leave the energy market completely and go completely solar. That costs a lot of money. And I think in a lot of the rural areas, people don't have that kind of money to mm-hmm. uh, invest in turning their house completely solar or wind right? Uh, and leave the energy market altogether. Right. So, well, I mean, that's, that's like... It's, it's, I think for most people, it's pretty cost prohibitive because yeah. you have to have a battery, you have to have, you know, some sort of backup power at night. Yeah, and then and then there's the maintenance, and it's not expensive. I mean, it's not cheap to maintain uh, that kind of equipment. Well, I, I do want to ask about renewables and solar and and whether that plays into this because I know you're part of the coalition of mayors that has continued, has, has said that they want to continue with the goals of the Paris Climate Accord mm-hmm. and, and, and sort of urging the country to stay in, in that agreement. Um, so does, does your position on sort of renewables and the transition away from a fossil fuel-based energy supply mm-hmm. affect your position on question three? No, because uh, there's only one ballot question that guarantees uh, more renewables, and that's question six, uh, which I am proud to be an early uh, supporter of, uh, because we do need to move towards renewable uh, energy. You mentioned earlier there's three there's three Nevadas, so to speak. No matter what corner of Nevada you're in, we have at least 220 days of sunlight a year. There's no reason why we shouldn't be the largest producer of solar electricity. Uh, question three doesn't guarantee anything with solar. If anything, it guarantees that uh, NV Energy's current projects uh, with solar will cease to exist um, because NV Energy very likely will cease to exist or not exist in the same capacity. And so they won't continue with those solar projects that they're working on. Um, and so I think if anything, question three uh, kind of throws the whole uh, renewable thing through through a loop because you don't know what's going to happen. Um, and, and like I said, with, with our, our 220 plus days of sunlight, uh, with all the geothermal we have in the state, with the wind uh, that we could create here in West Windover where we have a steady wind, uh, I think that question six is the only way to guarantee uh, renewable. I don't think question three even, if anything, it might make the renewable situation worse. Mm-hmm. Question three, passing, or yes. no one. Yeah, question three, passing. <laughs> All right. Uh, sort of as a last question, or um, as we're winding down here, I- I'm interested, I-, I like to ask sort of politicians this question because I think it's interesting and <laughs> reflective, but, you know, in the last two years, you were elected in 2016. Mm-hmm. Would you say, uh, you know, is there anything that you would have done differently or any decisions that you've made that you sort of regret in, in those two years? Um so I, I kind of came from the activist world. I never thought that I would be uh, the person running for mayor or becoming the politician that I was, as an activist, annoying the hell out of. Um, but so I think sometimes I can be too aggressive, especially on the council, um, because I'm, I'm an impatient person uh, and government <laughs> works very slow. And so uh, sometimes when things are moving slow or... Uh, when there's an issue that's a complicated issue that's before the council um, that I've already made my mind up on, uh, sometimes I get frustrated with council members, uh, and then I tend to be a little too aggressive, um, mm-hmm. which I'm working on. <laughs> but, you know, so I think um, that's one thing, because there's no, like, 
there's no school for mayors or like no classes you can take in college that prepare you to to be an elected official mm-hmm. um, because I think you go from being a candidate to immediately being uh, the person who actually has to make the decisions. And so for me as a candidate, when I was running for mayor, I could be as aggressive as I wanted to be. I could call someone out on a right, vote. It's probably an advantage as a yeah, candidate. Yeah, but when you, yeah. when you actually have to work with these people to get things done, you can't be as aggressive as you once were. So uh, I think when I first uh, was a little naive, when I first started out, uh, and I was like, oh, I can bully, use the bully pulpit to bully people into making a decision. Uh, and that's not there's that's no way to govern. Cool. Well, I think that's uh, I think that pretty much covers it. Do you have any other questions, David? You mentioned that we are weeks away from an election, um, and you talk about being a candidate. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you miss running? Do you want to be in? <laughs> would you Would you like to be on the ballot this time? And and do you think you might be on the ballot, uh, say in twenty twenty? I mean, how long do you want this job? Um, so I want this job as long as as long as I can have it. Um, I. That's an interesting question because I don't miss running, but I love running. Like, there's nothing that can explain kind of the high you get when you're running for office, uh, when you're knocking on doors, um, which I I love canvassing. Um, I love knocking on doors and talking to people. And I think people are like, oh, it's the mayor again. Get off my doorstep. Um, But... I love that. So I love elections. Um, I mean, I'm not on the ballot this year, but there are candidates that I'm supporting who I'm out knocking on doors for um, because I miss that. Um, and two years is too long for me to go without knocking on someone's door. Um, so that's the one thing I love about it. But I don't I don't miss kind of the nastiness of, of campaigns. Um, I was kind of fortunate when I ran. Uh, my opponent didn't take me seriously. Um, so I didn't really get attacked very much. Uh, I was the one doing the attacking, unfortunately, but, uh, I, I don't miss, I think you learn, uh, from, from your first campaign. So I think next time I'll be a little bit softer, uh, <laughs> but I, I love that campaigning, but I don't love the stress of it. Uh, cause election night was probably the most stressed out I've ever been in my life waiting for results to come in. Cool. Well, I think that I think that uh, pretty much covers it. Is there anything that you want to add, or uh, no? I think we covered it. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast.